Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Turning them to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to uh, finish this section of scripture. And I'm going to uh, have you stand at home. We do this at home. We do it here. We do it wherever we are. And I want to read our text this morning. And then we're going to get into and dive into it and see what the Lord has for us. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. The Bible, uh, Paul writing to Timothy says this, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Let these, uh, but let these first, or also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling with their children uh, and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest, manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. And so, Lord, again, this is your word, and we want to allow it to penetrate our hearts. So be glorified, Lord, as you speak. Speak clearly to us. Lord, we don't know um, how long this thing will be, but we're asking you to heal this virus so no man can get any glory for it, but it just disappear by the hand of God. We're asking you to uh, just continue to keep our hearts set upon you and our eyes fixed upon you, and be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So once again, we come to this area to where Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, and he's been encouraging him with some instructions. And I think it's important for the church to know what um, Timothy is, is you know, receiving from Paul, and what we are to receive from Paul as well is, is uh, the Holy Spirit has, you know, when the church is birthed, he has a desire to see the church being used and he has a plan for the church. So you think about some of the things already we looked at. He says that you teach no other doctrine. That was so important for, um, for any of us. But for Timothy to know that things are going to be coming into the church. And people are going to want to look you know, at the newest and greatest fads. And we're to keep things the same thing. We're to keep the doctrine the same. We're to keep Jesus Christ and him crucified the main focus point. And so you know, no, teach no other doctrine. And then Paul went on to command uh, Timothy to pray and get the men in the church to lead in the corporate prayer times. Men have to be leaders in that. We need to come together and pray. Men need to encourage their families to join in in prayer. 
And then he said that, pray for all those who are in authority. And I know that we're doing that now, of course, and, and obviously because, you know, our, our commander-in-chief, our president, vice president, cabinet, we're praying for them, praying for wisdom and how all this is going to come out. But pray for the salvation of any of those in office. If you want to live a, peace, a life of peace, then you, we need to have political leaders that are knowing Jesus and that are born again. And so he says, you know what, pray for those in authority. And then he said that, you know, he desired that men everywhere be lifting up holy hands. And so again, that the, the focus on the men praying, but the body needs to pray, but the men everywhere lifting up holy hands. And then he went in, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, the role of women in the church. And then last week it was the qualifications of, of elders. And so now we come to this point to where we're looking at deacons, and I'll say this, deacons and servants go together. It's what it means, diakonos in the Greek. And so you have this, this time to where when we look at deacons, and we might think that those that are just entitled or that have titles that are, you know, on our webpage or something like that, you know, and they've been deemed as deacons. Well, we do that to notify you to who you can go to. But really, this applies to anyone who's serving, Anyone in the body who's serving in any capacity, because every one of us should have godly characteristics, godly qualities about our life. And so as we're, as we're um, looking at this, when it says deacons, uh, again, the, mean, the word means to serve. We have a great serving church here, so we're thankful for that. And we have men and women who are serving uh, on a daily basis. So when we look at this, we look at it, and I will uh, kind of substitute that word deacon for servant, Maybe I'll say, use the word deacon, but it's not to hide from it or to apply it where it's not meant. The word deacon is, again, the word servant, diakonos. It means to run errands or to, to wait as a waiter would on, on tables going around. And so you can be serving in the nursery or the usher or greeter or the children's ministry or whatever that might be. And uh, understand that. If it wasn't too good for our Savior, it's not, it's, it's, it's not too good for us. So remember, Mark 10, 45 says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to diakonos, diakonos. So he's, but to serve. And he gave his life for a ransom for many. So Jesus came to serve, and he was, and he still is our example. We're to serve, and looking at Jesus being the kind of the pattern for our lives, and we see he served. And I want to serve like Jesus served. I just want to be, well, you know, we're created, being created into his image. So I just want to take on his characteristics as we serve. And so this clearly fits really to anyone that's serving in any capacity in the church. Let me say this. The New Testament, we saw the word deacons come up. Because there was a problem. It first appeared in the, in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, Acts chapter 6, I'll have it on your screen or you can turn there. Um, these guys, I remember this, so these guys were full of good reputation, that they had full, full of the Holy Spirit, and they had wisdom, and it was all for serving tables. So you think, wow, these guys were there for that purpose. Yep, and we all need to be, you know, making sure the qualities and the characteristics of our life are in check. In Acts chapter 6, it says this, and now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. There was this complaint was a murmuring. Uh, you know, you see about that in the Old Testament with Moses. And people complained or they murmured or they grumbled against Moses. But in this case, it says against the, against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because 
their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. There's, there's a problem here. And then the twelve summoned uh, the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So here you have this time, a very tense time in the church of Jerusalem, and Satan is always chomping at the heels of the leaders. He always wants us to make moves that maybe, well, let me take care of that. But really there's men that are raised up in, in all over the church that are taking care of problems on a daily basis. And you think about this time too, this could have been disastrous on the infant church. The church was young, and especially being young and the attacks coming in. And there was a problem that could have led to greater problems. If it didn't have these men already serving, they're already serving in the background because they were noted to be of good reputation. They were noted to be men of the Holy Spirit. They were noted to be men of wisdom. And so they were already doing the work that was there. And, and they gathered up these seven men and they, they you know, put them in charge of the work that needed to be done. So please understand this too, as far as the role of a deacon you know, or servant. When you think about the role of a deacon, it's not like a stepping stone for an elder. It's not like you're saying, well, if I become a deacon, soon I can become an elder. And soon I just might be the guy. I don't know who that is, but uh, they'll be the guy, you know. And so it's not a stepping stone. Nor is it a lesser spiritual role of being an elder, you know, well, the, I, I'm a deacon. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed because God has a body of Christ and he, he assembles it together and he has some that are fingers and toes and some that are eyelashes. And then my body doesn't complain that the eyelashes work. Uh, and, and, you know, my fingers work. And you know, my fingers don't want to become ears and all that other stuff. But, you, you know, just understand that we're fit together. And we're uniquely fit together. And, and we don't complain about, well, I, I should do this or that. We do what God would have us do. We're led by his Holy Spirit. And we should do what God would have us do and what he's calling us to do. See, it's, it's, the sad thing is, is in the church, you don't want to be a sponge. And what's that? It's just, you know, you put a sponge when you spill something on the table, and the sponge will soak everything up, but it never gives out until it just goes to waste. You want to be, we want to be a part of the body. We want to be serving. What's my role? You come to faith in Christ, and we'll get into this. When you come to faith in Christ, it's just incredible to, um, now, I, I serve the world, I serve myself, I serve you know, uh, the me, myself, and I triune Godhead for so long. Now I, it's about, well, God, what do you have for me? I'll never forget that. God, what do you have for me? What is it that you want in my life uh, and out of my life? And w the moment I heard that, I could serve him. He wants me just, you just get grounded. I'm going to use you. You just, I just, I, you want to use me? My life's a wreck. But listen, we serve the Lord and we get the privilege of serving the Lord. And so we see that it's, you know, the, the role of the elder and the deacon, and the elder, as we looked at last week, the bishop and the deacon this week, they're not lesser roles. They both have, they're both spiritual roles. They're important to be spiritually fit, and that's why Paul brings them out. It's, it's important to do our due diligence. The, the roles that differ are just like a husband and a wife. You know, we have roles that differ from one another, but we have these responsibilities that God has given to us. I think in the seventh chapter of Acts, 
how Stephen, he was a man, if you look at his, the way he taught, the way he brought the word to the people, he was a, uh, qualified to be an elder or a pastor or whatever, but he was serving you know, in this uh, capacity to where God had had him. He wasn't so concerned about, you know, oh, I should be an elder. I'm not going to get up and say it because I'm not an elder. Man, he just, he, he gave this radical sermon right before his death. And he was just used by God. And so you see these things. Again, it's not about moving up in the ladder, moving up the ladder, or whatever the case may be. It's about just serving God in the capacity that he has you. And when the body is joined together, it's joined together because it has no, you know, abnormal, should have no or abnormal growth to it. So you're just like, it's all normal. It all fits together. What people are doing is just incredible. Just, you know, watching God do what they're doing through their lives, watching him move in their lives. And so, you know, somebody might think, you know, why would this be important to teach on a Sunday morning? Well, you leave it for a spiritual class or, uh, again, you know, some leadership class or whatever. Well, you know, the spiritual leaders, that's, maybe it's a class for that. Well, really, it's not. As I mentioned, it's for everybody. Because everybody in the church, everybody in the marriage, in your marriage, in your families, your dads, you are, um, it's important that you understand this, that you have these qualities about yourself as well because you are the shepherd of your own family. And so we just draw these things into our own life. We, we take them. I'm the leader of my family. And we have, you know, marriages We require strong leaders, you know, or uh, just godly leaders, businesses, same way. The, the country, everything is depon, dependent upon its leadership. And so we're going to begin in verse 8, and we're going to go through some of these. We'll go through all of them. But we'll kind of break them down just like we did with the elders, just, just very shortly, so we can kind of see what it is that the Lord uh, has for us. So beginning in verse 8, the qualification uh, of deacons or servants, and again, apply this to your own life. He says, likewise, so likewise in the same manner, Paul is saying to Timothy, in the same manner as the elders. I mean, again, it's not like, well, you should do this and you should do that. No, no, no. Likewise, in the same manner, he said the same manner as an, el an elder is to be responsible for his life and be responsible to have godly characteristics that you too, in the same manner, you too are to have these things in your life the same way. And he says that we first must be reverent. That means honorable, uh, honest. You know, it's like if you called the church and said, hey, we need somebody to come and serve. And again, you know, we, we send a deacon or, or, you know, somebody that's specialized in a, maybe it's a drain problem, a water leak, and, and uh, we call, they call them and say, you know, I'm just, I can't fix it. I've, you know, I'm, for whatever reason, is there anybody in the church that can help? And then we did have somebody that was able to help. We would send them over there. They, they, you'd want them, you want to be able to trust them, Right. You want to be able to trust them, you know, and then that's what Paul is talking about here. Let them be honorable. Let them be honest. The last thing you want to do is get help from people in a church and, and you know, think that, well, not going to keep my eye on them. I don't trust them. You know, it's like, no, that's not it. It's like, you know, when years ago people were putting the Christian uh, fish on their business cards saying, you know, I'm a Christian plumber. I'm a Christian electrician. I'm thinking, is that using that fish to make sure that they know you're honorable? Why don't you just do your reviews and look at your reviews and what people are saying about you? You know, so uh, don't, don't put a, a Christian fish on your bumper, uh, especially the way some of the people around here drive. <laughs> just kidding. But, uh, you know, just prove your loyalty. Prove it. 
That's what he's saying. It says not be double-tongued. And so this is not telling a different story. You know, you hear something from some person, you run to the next person. You're not, you know, spreading gossip, spreading stories, all this stuff. You know, James says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. You don't want to be like that. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. So we're to have, you know, the same message, the same, you know, what goes from one one party to the next. We are solid, and the servants are solid. Oh, did you hear what I what I heard about this? Or do you know what was going on there? Yeah. And then you go to the next person. Yeah, well, that's, you know, they, they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, no, we need to have men and women and servants that are not double-tongued. They are, their, their yeses are going to be yeses, and their noes are going to be noes, and they're going to stick to what it is that God would have them do. So they should never, never be a person. And, and again, this is, uh, you know, you think about servants in the church or in children's ministry, ushers and greeters. It just goes on. We need, we need to have men and women, we have servants that are not double-tongued, that they're, you can depend on them. You can depend on them on what they say and their words that are coming out of them. Somebody once put it like this, you can hang the uh, town parrot on his shoulders and not be worried. Go figure. And then... He says, not given to much wine. Interesting take on this. Some people will say, or might think, I wouldn't say they say too much, but, you know, I want to be a deacon because an elder can't drink at all, and I can at least drink a little bit here. Uh, being a deacon, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't be given just a too much wine. No, 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 no. Let me say this. If that's your motive for being a deacon and not an elder, you probably shouldn't take on the office at all because it's the heart of the matter. And you would probably don't want to be in leadership if you're thinking on how much can I drink to still be you know, accepted in a role of leadership. Even um, in caring for the spiritual needs, it's very important that you and I, if we were to send a, a family out to help in, in a time of need, they're not going to be drinking or say, I can't go. Oh, I can't go. It's not a good time. And it's like, well, when is a good time? Well, I, I just, and you know, probably when I just had a beer, had a couple of beers, and you know what? What's more important? You see, the servant here needs to be sober in action. People, we need one another, and we're seeing that now. We're seeing that now that people in the church and brothers and sisters, we need one another. And Again, though there's nothing wrong with, you know, some people, I, I say that because not for me, I, I can't drink and I don't want to drink. But the message that we send on Sunday morning, we might wave to our neighbor and say, hey, where are you going? We're going to church, Sam. I'll see you later. I'll see you after church. And then they come after, come after church and, well, you know, we're mowing the yard. It's a hot day and you put a brewski out there. I mean, that's the message that we're sending. So nothing wrong with it or is there? And what's the message? So... You know, just the importance of it. And he says, you know, in, any of our decision-making needs to be sober-minded. You know, it needs to be, uh, understand that. And our children, our children today are needing us to make sober decisions. I mean, look what's out there. and Look what's creeping in the door. Look what's creeping in the TV, in the tablets or on the phones. So much stuff that's creeping in, I want to know. I want to be ready. I want, you know, just be on edge, you know, just ready to go at all times. And you got to think about this, too, because in the days of the church of Ephesus, in the days of Jesus, 
There was no way, the wine of the day was no way as powerful as it is today. I mean, today we have Bacardi 151, 75.5% alcohol. Back in the day, they would have Bacardi 4. In other words, uh, the first century church, it was, the wine was watered down. It was three parts water to a part wine. And uh, you would have to consume so much of it to, to, before one became drunk. So, you, you know, you think about this. I think more people make excuses as to what justifies them to drink. And, and you know, well, I, I, I'm not buzzed. Well, your tolerance is probably built up. But you're not buzzed. And it's just like, listen, God's people need help. And they may need help at any time. Plumbing problems happen. The plumbing pipes break. And who am I going to, well, can you sober up and get out of church? We just can't do that. Or, or you know, so-and-so needs a call, you know, needs a, a help 24-7. And that should be our heart. God, he saved me out of that. I know many of you that are watching, he saved you out of drugs and alcohol. Why would I want to go back to that? Why would I want to stumble a brother, anything of that nature? Why would I want to do these things? And especially as the times draw near, especially as the times draw near to where, you know, I, you know, you look at things, birth pangs are happening. You know, it's just like, I just, okay, Lord, I, I'm waking up. I praise the wake-up call for the church. And here's a point of wisdom. If drinking at times is more important than being without, then reconsider how God is calling you or how it is that you may be answering him. You see, there may... There are many who the Lord got saved out of alcohol. They were alcoholics, or they partook of it, and their life was ruined. So is it that important? Is it that important? So then, then he goes on, he says, not greedy for money. So just like any servant, we can't be greedy for money. You know, we can't be living after God, living after mammon. You know, we have to have a single heart. Again, it goes back to the heart of the matter. If money's the motive and it's not love, then we're going to be serving with wrong motives. And guess what? Your family's going to be a mess. You know, men and women that are trying to make the next buck. It's not paying off too well right now. But I'm just saying, we'll make the next buck and we're just saying, you know, godliness is what our kids need. And when we're out there greedy for this stuff, I get the bigger boat, the bigger house, the faster car, all this stuff. And we're thinking about these things. You know, when we're after those things, then our ministry is going to falter. Our families are going to falter. And, and the family life is going to become so frustrated because we're out doing other things. We're out after other things that are not important in our lives. And he's saying, don't be greedy for money. And then uh, he goes on in verse 9, and he says, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. This is important. So again, a deacon or a servant, you don't necessarily have to get up here to teach, but you're inquired to hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. You need to know the doctrine. You need to know what Jesus has said. And all of us should do that. You know, the minute we get saved, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. He saved me. I want to read his word. And we should begin to develop that understanding of what his word says. We're going to have, uh, be scholars? No, I'm far from it. But I think that we, we're going to have an answer for those who are in need. And we're going to have an answer for our own lives when things come up. And it's just not going to be, I'm hiding behind this pad answer or this post on Facebook but my life, our lives are going to resemble what we're speaking, resemble what we're talking about. And, and so we have to be able to understand that what the doctrine is, what Jesus wants of us. 
And a deacon, you know, as we walk through the life, we're walking through it by faith. And we have this pure moral conscience about what we're doing. Because the Word of God is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And we should be men and women that are willing to just say, you know, I need to hold on to that mystery with a pure conscience. Listen, you're not going to find what God's Word has here. You're not going to find happiness going back to as a dog would return to his vomit. And I want to stay so far away from that stuff. And it's just, the Lord has impressed me. Am I perfect? No, but I'm, 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 I'm growing more and more. 30 years of walking with the Lord. His church is just over 19 years old. And, and uh, thinking of um, trusting in the Lord. But we want to continue to grow in the things of the Lord. And we come uh, about something that's maybe not right. I, you look, I want to deal with this. And again, nursery workers, children's ministry workers, our home life is so important to make sure that we have these qualities within us. And then in verse 10, he says, first let them be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Let them be tested. See, it's the testing that brings this purity about to us, and purity into maturity. So when we're tested, we go through the fires of life. We go through the trials. We go through the failures. You know, if you've if you failed and you say, I just can't do this. Oh my gosh, please don't ask the staff or our elders how many times I failed. So many, right? But we fail and we grow through these things. Remember, we're flawed. In, in uh, uh, Jeremiah, when Jesus was talking, or when the Holy Spirit gave Jeremiah, he's going on a potter and, and look at the clay. He even said, he says, look, at the clay that you're dealing with is marred. That was a picture of you and I. We're marred. So, you know, though we're tested, it's going to show our flaws. It's going to show some of the things that come out, you know, it's like, I didn't want that. And we're so, we're so embarrassed. I was talking with a brother just this week about something that, you know, he just said, I'm just so embarrassed about what had happened. I said, I said, brother, you are loved, man. Don't even worry about it. If we camp out on our flaws, we beat ourselves up, man. I've done that so often. Don't do it. But you're going to be tested, right? We're all going to be tested. We're being tested right now. But we want to be tested in a way to where God is moving in us. And so being, finding out that we're flawed is not a, a disqualification. It's how we deal with these flaws. It's how we deal with these times of failures, how we go through them, or as I say, as we grow through them. And let me, let them, it says, serve in the capacity. So you want to be busy. You know, you want to be found faithful. And that's what, what he's you serving already. Can you be reliable? Are you dependable? Can people call you? Hey, we got this jam. Well, you know, I was thinking I'm just saying, well, I was going to say Bedside Baptist, but some of you are there today. Uh, Bedside Church, sorry, Baptist. You're, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, now nobody can throw a tomato at me today, so... It's all good. But no, it's, it's let, them, let, them, let them serve. Let them be faithful to serve. Are you dependable? Are we going to be men and women that are going to be dependable to be there? Or we sign up for something, oh, you know, something else came up. Well, look at it. We should never be quick to put someone in a position is what Paul is telling. Don't, don't be so fast on that. But rather wait and, and, and let them already serve in the capacity. Just let them do it. You know, around here, just this January, we brought uh, two guys and recognized them as deacons. And they came to me and I said, I want you to read through, you know, Timothy. I want you to look at it. I said, I don't know what your home life is like, but you're going to have to tell me and our board 
we are recognizing you as deacons. And well, what, what did I do? And I said, you're just doing it. You're already doing the work. And so when they're doing that work and they've been tested, they've gone through the test and they'll still be tested. But we know that they're men that are going to stand up on the word of God. They're going to stand up and they're going to admit their flaws and they're going to get over it and they're going to repent of it. And so we're not, not serving for titles. They're not serving for positions or anything like that. You see, it's worth noting that quite a few leaders mentioned in the Bible were first tested before they were put into ministry. I think of Joseph, right? Joseph was a servant in, uh, in Egypt for 13 years before he became second ruler in the land. I think of Moses or Joshua, David, the Apostle Paul. They're tent makers, they, they, they did things. David, a shepherd, you know. They were busy. They weren't just uh, sitting on the couch waiting for God to put them in the game. They were already in the game. May have been in a different capacity. And when he came, God said, now I'm seeing you being useful. You're doing the work. Now I want to use you for my kingdom. I want to use you for my people. And that's what God wants us to do. We can't you know, use people that don't want to be used. And, and, and I think the availability just making yourself available, and, and it's important. Even Jesus came, and he came as a carpenter. That's our example. So we want to we make sure that what we're doing is that we are serving, that we are first being tested and not worrying about flaws. Some people might say, you know, um, well, I've been hurt by the church. I've been, well, you know, get over it. Get over it. Do you know what Jesus did when people crucified him? There's 3,000 that were added to the church just a short time later. Probably, maybe some of the same people that were out there yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But look, at we're going to go through times and we're going to be tested. And it might come where somebody steps on your toe or whatever the case may be. Look, at let's just get back up and continue to serve. In verse 10, he says, let them be found blameless. And this means that they're, 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 they're not to be guilty or have an accusation upon them, you know at work or at home or whatever the case may be, at church, amongst their family. They don't have these, these accusations or people accusing them of doing things. And when they find out that, you know, if there's a, a time where somebody does have this, amen, you've done this wrong, be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. But he says, you know, let them be found blameless. Nor should they, you know, when you sit down at a restaurant, you shouldn't be having to peer over your shoulder seeing who's here. Who's there? Who's going to see me order? Or, you know, what charges might be brought against them? Or just driving down the street or being out in the open. So Paul starts off there and he addresses the servants and he's addressing the guys in this office. But then he says, what about the wives? What about the wives? He says, when a man accepts the role of a deacon, it's a package deal, is it not? I mean, my wife, is, as I mentioned last week, she's not my assistant pastor, but it's a package deal with her. You get me, you get her. You can't um, talk to her the way you talk to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've got to, it's a package deal. And the wives have a responsibility in their own lives. And so look, there's four things that he brings out about the wives. He said, likewise, wives must be reverent. So wives too got to be honest. And, and the next thing is not, not slanders. So the slanders is, you know where that word comes from? It's Diablo. Wives, you can't be venomous. You can't be malicious or speaking evil. You got to watch that tongue. 
It can't be a double tongue. Satan's accuser of the brethren, and we can't have that, that tongue that's out there that's divided or it's a wicked tongue. I mean, the next thing he says is temperate. Again, you're not to get drunk. So it's abstaining from, from wine or, or be sober. And then he says that, that the wives too, they're, they're to be faithful in all things. So they're to be trustworthy. Faithful. Subjectively trustful or faithful. True. You know, the thing about this is I have known some men over the years I've been walking with the Lord, and especially in leadership of the church, some men who have been disqualified because they're wives in their own carnal lifestyle. A lot of it comes from the tongue. That their tongue is bad. They don't want to do anything about it. They know they got a problem, but they don't do anything about it. And, you know, wives are just important. It's that package deal. You get a guy, you got to have the gal too. And gals and guys, and they've got, I've known the same thing with when we're talking about servants that gals want to serve. And, you know, they don't have the support of their husband. So, listen, wives, be faithful, be temperate, don't be slanders, and be reverent. Now back to the men. He says, uh, let deacons be the husband of one wife. We talked about that. A one man, woman, if you've been divorced as a Christian, and um, it was your fault, then it may disqualify you. Um, but you need to have your heart on one wife. Not having a lustful heart. And we talked about that last week. Ruling their own children as well as their, their house well. Ruling is standing before and rank. You're standing up. You have your house in order. And um, that you're leading them to church. You're being the faithful one. You're leading them to the Lord. And listen, if they're not of age and they're not, uh, I mean, if they're of age, you know, to be on their own and they're not walking with the Lord, I mean, they're, they're being a bad influence on the rest of the family. Uh, you don't know what goes on when you're not there. They're, their heart's not in tune. And so ruling your own house, well, you know, you've you got to deal with that. And then, he, and then this is what is seen. In verse 13 he says, For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So two things that come out of this. One, you, get a, you, you have a, an excellent standing before fellow believers. And they look at you, and they're, look at, they're looking to pattern their life after somebody. And ultimately it is the Lord. But we need, we, we're these tangible people. We, we look at one another and we say, how can I pattern my life? Remember I told you stories when I first got saved, I wanted to be, I, I was looking at people because I didn't know anything about how to be a Christian. I didn't know anything about anything in the church. I didn't know, you know, I, I used to have to watch people stand up. When are they standing up? When are they kneeling? When are they getting up? When are they standing up? I used to have to watch that. And I thought, well, I better watch to see what they do in this new Calvary Chapel, this Horizon Christian Fellowship. I better see what they're doing here. Well, they, 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 it wasn't that I was watching their motions through the service, but I was watching their motions in life. And then I began to look at them and say, oh, I like those people. Well, I don't want to be like them. So I would look at, oh, they're the Ken and Barbie people. I look like they're Christians. Maybe we'll be like them. No, nope, I don't want to be like You get closer to them. But, but, but it wasn't that I didn't... I didn't uh, you know, you don't complain about them and you don't, you know, t 
tell them how bad they are. He's just like, I want to live after somebody that's going to resemble more of Christ. And so the deacons in the church should be standing up. They should be standing out. They should be men that are, that are there just saying, you know what, uh, I'm living my life after the Lord. And people are recognizing that they have an excellent standing uh, before fellow believers. And then the other thing he says here is a great assurance and the faith in Christ Jesus. I mean, any of us who serves the Lord, and we, we can be confident that as God is working, we can be confident in him, that he's building us up. He's building us into faith, but he not only builds our faith, but we have this greater boldness than, that we had. And it encourages others, other lives to be lived out in boldness. When they see people that are bold, it's like, whoa, look at that, check that out. I mean, you know, it's in the love. They're speaking the truth in love, and they're just laying it out there. And we want to have that life as well. So you're going to encourage others. You're going to encourage your family. You're going to encourage the way, you know, uh, others in the church and others at work. They're going to know that you're an, up, an a, a stand, a upstanding citizen, outstanding citizen, and a man that's just going to walk with integrity through this world. And so from last week to this week, Paul has been talking about the leadership and then the purpose of the qualified leadership. He begins in verse 14. And he says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write, and this is what I have been uh, you know, quoting and giving this verse about every time we come into this passage, because this is why he's writing to Timothy, so that you may know how to, you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God which is uh, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And so he says, first of all in here, this is the reason why we need leadership and godly leaders and wherever they're serving that they have godly characteristics filled with the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter. We have our, our team back here that's uh, a couple of people that are you know, getting the food distribution ready. The same thing applies. But how we should conduct ourselves, we need to be having that godly character how we should conduct ourselves in the house of God. And so you've got to remember, if you, like myself, when I came out of uh, the world, I, just like Israel, they're brought out of the land of Egypt. They knew nothing about serving God, a holy God. And when I came to Jesus, oh, he has a sense of humor. When I came to Jesus, after crying that he would receive me, and then just to hear his voice, because I began to hear, I love you, and I will never leave you. Right away, I will never leave you. And understand that. I knew nothing about a holy God. But I knew that he was going to walk me through this thing. Again, I thought church it was religious. I thought church was stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. You know, go through the exercises. I thought all of these things. But just like the children of Israel, I knew nothing about how do I walk with God. And in the moment I came to faith in Christ, I didn't know how to, what do you do? And so we're still learning. I get that. But here, when we come into this relationship with the Lord, I knew how to conduct myself in the world. That's all I was used to. And the world, I did these things. But the, the church isn't a boys club, girls club. It's not a lodge. It's not a nightclub. And it shouldn't take on the appearance of those things. Now here the Lord calls us to resemble, it says it's called the house of God. This is where we come together. We assemble together. It's called the house of God. I know we're having church. The church is, is out there. The people are out there. It's just a building. But when we come together, 
how we're to operate. When we're together, he says, you know what? Uh, there's going to be people here. We're going to conduct ourselves in such a manner. This is the house of God when we gather together. It's not, it's not you know, just, well, I, I don't like the way they're doing things. Well, check it out with the scripture. See if they're doing things biblically. You may like different songs or a guy who wears a tie or something like that. I don't know. But you know what? The, the, the very thing is, is this is called the house of God, and we're to follow and respect his plan in order. So the word conduct means behavior. How we're going to behave when we come together. If we didn't have a plan, everybody was just swinging around from chandeliers and you know the lights and doing whatever they wanted to do, there would be no order. Listen, and when I got saved, I got saved, you know, I used to soak in the word. And, and, and I, I got to grow in the Lord. And the reason I got to do that was because the church that I got saved in was solid in its leadership. I didn't have to worry about anything. The leaders were doing what they were, what they were to do. I mean, they had my back. I was able to get to know Jesus. I was able to, you know, take my mind off of all the things of the world and just put them on, Lord, what are you speaking to me about? You know, the servants, the servants were doing what they had to do. And I was just, I was in awe. I'd go to the front door, I'd be greeted, smiles on their faces, welcome to Horizon Christian Fellowship. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, walking into church. The, but the same thing is now, it's my turn. It's just many of our turns. That, you know, we're, we're grounded. We're okay. We got, we got, you know, stability under our feet. You know, we're the rock where we're growing in the Lord. And now it's many of our turns that we can do that for the younger believers that are getting saved. They're, people are giving their life to Jesus. And even today, watching this live stream, I'm going to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, contact us. You pray that Christ would receive, you would receive Jesus Christ. If you've been here, you've heard the invitations, but you need to open your heart to Christ. He's standing there knocking, even today. We're a distance away. The Spirit of God is with you, wanting to come in. And so we, we have that opportunity. We, we have people that are gathered here on a Sunday morning, and we have people doing the work. But now, a lot of times, we, we look at it and we say, what about the new people that are coming in and getting saved? Well, we don't want to have to put them to work. We won't. But we need people in the church to do the work of the ministry so that they can grow in the Lord. And once they grow in the Lord, that they can do what you and I are doing today. So the other thing he says, which is the church of the living God. Listen, there are many different kinds of assemblies that are out there. And the church is the assembly of the living God. The, the, the assembly of the living God. God. See, it's a place where Christians gather together. I, I think of this when I look back in the day and I heard the, the stories of the first uh, generation Calvary guys. And they came out, they were much like me and my lifestyle. They came out and, and, and they were a mess, just like a lot of us. And you know what? If it wasn't for the instructions, because you're, you're, now they're being pastoring the church of the living God. If it wasn't for the instructions, the church would be a great mess. And what would we do without God giving instructions? I mean, I didn't, what are you going to do? You stick to it. And then he says the third thing. He says that uh, the pillar and ground of truth. That's an architectural thing. I mean, we have to have, there's got to be something standing strong in this world. Stock market up, down, way down. Gas prices fluctuate. Uh, interest rates fluctuate. Uh, politicians come and go. There's stories and promises left unfelt. 
But the church is to be the pillar which is holding everything up. But it has to have the solid ground. It has to have the ground that is solid in order to hold that pillar up. We can't be fictitious in this. Years ago, my brother, he lives in the swamplands of Florida. <laughs> Not really. Uh, he lives in Florida, but I don't want to really call it swamplands, although I think it is. He, had, he told me a story. He said, um, a very brilliant brother, uh, I, I love him to death. He had a, uh, a house that was sinking. Nobody could fix it. It was sinking in the corner, you know, because of the, the water table. And he said that the, the Lord had given him the way to fix it. And, and I'll never forget, he said, we poured a little concrete slab and we got the jack. Jacked, we weren't jacking the house up. We were jacking the concrete slab down. And they did that time after time. They'd pour another, you know, 12-inch, whatever, uh, piece of this uh, concrete. And they would jack, not the house up, but the foundation down and t- until the pillar hit solid ground. Once the pillar hit solid ground, the house was able to go up. You know what? And that's what we need to be, the solid ground, not sinking sand. And we need to have and make sure that we are the pillar and the ground of truth that we are having in in this world today. I want people to, we're unshakable. We, We see the things that are going on, but we understand that God is still in control. And so we look at these things and we oftentimes, we might, you know, churches, they want to come up with unique ways to draw people. They want to come up with these new fads or these new, no, we're the truth. Listen, this is why I give an invitation after every service, most every service is because I want people to understand that the, the truth is Jesus Christ. If they're coming because of a certain style of worship, or you know, if we, if we were to smoke machines, all this stuff, we would be drawing them with carnal methods and they're going to be led to carnal Christianity. But when we, when we draw them and say, you know what, our sins... Our sin, your sin can be forgiven. It registers to every one of us. It registers to the world that how are we going to deal with this problem of sin? Well, Jesus Christ, he can wash it. And that should attract people. If we're looking to say, well, how can we draw people? Well, how, what fancy method can we use? And I'm okay with, you know, we lights on the back. I mean, I'm okay with some, well, it's just a decoration. If I'm using that to draw people, we need to cut it off. It's Jesus Christ. It's him crucified. It's like letting the world know that's the problem we have. We had a, a gal, and I, I would hope that she's watching today, post on something that I post on. She, She's a friend of ours from a long time ago. She's not a believer. And pray for her. I won't give her name out right now, but you can pray for her. Just pray. God knows who she is. That um, she watched our lives back in the day. And not that we were bad, bad people, but then we come to faith in Christ. She said, I'm not a believer and um, I believe in this and that and the other thing. I won't get into it. But, you know, I said, you know what? Nothing will free us of our sin like Jesus Christ. You see, when the local church turns away from the truth and compromise, we begin to compromise our ministry. The, the foundation crumbles, and we're putting people on a faulty ground. In Haiti, the people came to Haiti uh, after the earthquake, they didn't want to go in a building because they saw buildings fall down. They didn't want to go in a, in a makeshift building. They were so afraid. We need to be solid. They need to, re- they need to be able to trust what goes on in here in the church as we're preaching the word and as we're living it out in our lives. And then let's close with this. When men and women of the church, we need to be sold out for the truth. In verse 16, he says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of the godliness, God was manifested in the flesh, 
This is, he, you know, our God is not dead. He's surely alive. Justified in the spirit. Speaks of the resurrection. Seen by angels. He ascended to heaven. Preached among the Gentiles. We uh, still is. And he's still saving people. Believed on in the world. So many over the years. And then people are still coming to faith in Christ. And then received up in glory. Referring to the ascension. Listen, Jesus is that perfect fulfillment uh, of the description of the Christian character. This is why he sets that example that we need to follow. So why does the church need this good leadership? Why is it important to assist in the call of making disciples? Listen, I don't want to have more earth pangs to shake us up when we have the Spirit of God to say, God, where am I? Where am I with you? Should I be? Could I be? Do you want me to be? Serving in capacities that I need. And again, if you need Jesus, you have to come to Jesus first. Let me say this too. In the day and age of the church, we're not meeting in here. Ministry still goes on. People are still in need. We still have things to do. We're still working at the church. We still have um, you know, uh, projects here that we uh, finding a good time to get done, though we have to be very careful and stewards financially. But just because the church is not meeting in a building doesn't mean that ministry stops. This is the time for the, the cream to rise to the top, for men and women to rise up and say, I'm in. I want to serve. I want to be there. How can I be there? What can I do? You know, we might be somewhat quarantined to go to uh, certain places, but we can have 10 or less people here serving at a time, stay six feet apart. Whatever the CDC rules are, we're going to oblige by them. But we might be taking a meal and dropping it off on somebody's porch. It might be fixing a car, whatever the case may be. Listen, make yourself available. And maybe you're, you're watching through your TV with family and friends and you're not a Christian. I want to address you. I want to say you've got to give your life to Christ. The birth pangs are when a woman is close to labor. When they're just starting off, they, they, you know, they're all, you know, oh, and then when it gets closer to that baby coming, they get louder and louder and they hit closer to home. And oh, oh, the whole house knows that. The, 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 that, that gal, she's uh, about ready to give birth. As the birth pangs come, whether they're 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, the wake-up call should be you and I. You need Christ. I want to hear from you, and I'm going to pray for you right now as the worship team comes up here. I want to pray for you. And here's the thing. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.